Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Doing a, a series called Stronger, our text for this is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let me just recap a little bit for those not with us last week. Strong in the Lord looks like Jesus. He is our example of strength. So we, we want to talk about what does strong in the Lord look like? People say, we, we need to be strong in the Lord. We go, okay, but what's that look like? I need to know what it looks like if I'm going to be strong in the Lord. And so we found, we talked about that Jesus never gave in to fear, to feelings, and to pressure from the enemy or from people. That Jesus never gave up living to please God and his mission and purpose. He never backed off of his mission. Once he knew what he was doing and what the mission was, he fulfilled it to the end. And that Jesus never gave out. You never see Jesus, see the multitudes coming and go, oh, great. Not today, okay? Just not today. He never gave out. He loved him. He loved his disciples to the end. So in the strength of Jesus, we see that he never gave up. He never gave out. He never gave in. And that's something that we, as our example, he is our example. And we, we follow him. And so in following him, that's something that becomes part of our life. We're to follow him and walk as he walked. Now, we begin to talk about last week, how can you become stronger in the Lord? And we read a passage in Luke chapter 4. I'm going to read it again, recap quickly, and I'm going to give you the other two things that we missed. Luke chapter 4 said, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So in this, in this passage right here, we see strength, we see Jesus' strength, but we see some ways that we can become stronger in the Lord. By the way, that's available for everybody. Being stronger in the Lord is not up to God, it's actually up to us. And so one of the things we talked about last week is don't go it alone. Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit. The Bible said he was filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit. We can be filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit as well. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's not the spirit of a tormented mind. He's not selfish, and he's not weak. He is a powerful spirit. And you know that love is powerful, so is, is his amazing strength is powerful, and the fact that our minds don't have to be tormented and fragmented and just flighty is a wonderful thing. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to be flighty. So don't allow, second thing is, don't allow feelings and fleshly desires to dominate you. Jesus fasted for 40 days. I don't recommend that for anyone, but fasting is not a bad idea. Fasting is simply where you say, I'm not going to do something. You can fast food. You can fast uh, maybe television. You can fast sweets. I think anybody raised Catholic, don't, you, don't they have Lent? Or something? They give up stuff for Lent, right? Is that, is that correct? Joy was raised Catholic, and she would give up stuff for Lent. And, uh, but the idea is you say no, and whether you fast or not, we have to learn to say no to our flesh. That you have flesh, I have flesh, we all have flesh. It did not get saved when we did. And your flesh will still act the same way it used to act, which can be a startling revelation. And that's how an enemy often tells a lot of people they're not even saved. They do something and maybe they go off and they've been doing well and all of a sudden they just blow up and 
say things and cuss and do things they ought not to do, and the enemy goes, mm. See, if you were saved, you wouldn't have done that. You're, you're not really saved. You're not grounded in the Word. A lot of people bail out right there. But thank God we don't have to bail out. We just have to learn to tell our flesh no. They say, well, Alan, when does that stop? Not here. <laughs> and not on earth. I, I believe it stops in heaven. I believe, I, I believe in heaven we will not have problems with our flesh. Won't that be nice? And uh, with our, in heaven, but we're not there yet. So my pastor used to say, we're not living in the sweet by and by. We're in the nasty now and now. So in the nasty now and now, we have to say no to our flesh. Here's, here's the, the next one. Know who you are. If you're going to be stronger in the Lord, you need to know who you are or your spiritual identity. Now, the enemy, Satan challenged Jesus' belief and, to, and claim as who he was. Remember, Satan came to, to Jesus and says, if you're the son of God. If you're, what's he, what's he, he didn't say if you're a man. He didn't say if you're Jewish. He said if you're the son of God. He was challenging Jesus' belief and claim that he was the son of God. And Jesus didn't even acknowledge that. He ignored it. But the idea of understanding our identity is still strong and we still need it today. In fact, I, I, listen, today we need, we need a strong identity regardless. Your spiritual identity, my spiritual identity is talking about who we are in Christ. Who we are when we make Jesus our Lord, who we are. Now, a verse that we quote around here all the time, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a... New creation. Old things have passed away and all things become new. You do realize that's talking about, spiritually speaking, that we are a new creation in him. And so we use that verse a lot, but guys, that's not the only verse that talks about who our identity is in Christ. And it's so important that you find out who you are in him because it will stabilize you from being moved around. Amen. Years ago, uh, my parents were... Uh, met and married in Atlanta, Georgia in 1956. They, uh, my dad was a, a student at Georgia Tech. My mom was a nursing student. And they tried to have children and found out that they could not have children. My dad was unable to have kids. And so in 1958, my mom worked at, at the nursing school. There was a doctor there who did artificial insemination. Now, we don't think much of it today, but in 1958, it was less than a 10-year-old procedure, and it was considered morally questionable. In fact, some people called it adultery by doctor. It was not like, oh, great, what a great idea. So my parents did that. They did it one time. It took, and in 1959, voila. <laughs> but here's what's interesting. They never told me. I grew up, my dad was a, a, a big guy. I, I talk like him, have some very similar mannerisms. He's in heaven now. But my father was 6'4". I kept waiting for that growth spurt to hit. I'm like, one day. At 30, I gave up. But uh, it, uh, it was something where they just never told me. They were concerned that if they told me, and my dad was concerned, that if, if, if I knew, then I would, I would use that against him. And I can understand probably not telling me in my teenage years. Because you can understand, you know what a teenager is going to do. Well, you're not my real father, which would not be smart. But at some point in time, it would be a nice idea to know. 
So I'm 58 years old. I'm driving down the road. I'm going to work out. I'm on 2854. My phone rings. It's my mother. She says, honey, I've got something to tell you. I went, I hate it when people start conversations like that. <laughs> I have something to tell you. I went, okay. I'm, and I'm, I hate the fact that I thought this way, but I'm thinking, Mom, if you're having an affair, I don't want to know about it. <laughs> you're 82 years old in a nursing home. I know, no, no. She said, she said, honey, she said, we couldn't have children. And she said, uh, and so you were artificially inseminated. Well, I already had found out what, what had kicked this off was Joy talked me into doing a DNA test. Now, I want to tell you something about doing a DNA test. If you haven't done one, they're fascinating. But if you're racially prejudiced, you might want to abandon the idea. Because <laughs> what you hate, you, you might be is. <laughs> Just a thought. But did a test, and I show up, and I, my last name is Clayton. I've always identified with being English. Clayton, very English name. Traced ancestors. I didn't have a lick of English in me. But I had 50% Jewish, excuse me, 49.8% Jewish. Askanami Jew, European Jew. And we're like, what? <laughs> Took another one, same thing. And so we started asking questions. And so, you know, what, what is hidden comes to light. <laughs> and so at 58 years old, I get to find out that my father, who I thought I was a Clayton, is not my biological father. So I said, Mom, let me make sure I got this straight. Dad's not my biological father? Yes, that's the truth. I said, okay. Well, thank you for telling me. And um, I, called Joy. I called Joy. I said, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> I said, but, but I'm twice chosen. I'm Jewish, and it's the real deal. And <laughs> I'm special, and you're not. <laughs> And, uh, but here's, here's what's interesting. It did not phase me. I didn't wake up the next door and go, who am I? <laughs> Where am I from? I, I didn't. Joy's been the one do, trying to figure out who my dad is. And, and it didn't bother me. It, it did not bother me a bit. And I tell that story to other people, and they look at me and go, how did you handle that? Hung up the phone and went and worked out. <laughs> but here's the thing. I've, I, over the years, I've gotten so settled in my spiritual identity that my natural identity didn't matter as much. You see what I'm, what I'm saying is, I, because, listen, when we get to heaven, you realize that no one's going to go, okay, where are you from? You're half Polish and half English? Okay, you're going to go in this part of heaven. That's not going to get you in. What gets us in is, you belong to Jesus? Yes, I do. I'm in him. I'm a new creation in him. They're like, welcome. Come on in. I don't believe heaven's segregated either. That's right. I believe we're just all one big happy family. That's right. That's right. And so you better be nice to people down earth because you might be living directly next to them in heaven. <laughs> but, but here's the beautiful thing. When you become focused on our identity in Christ, then our other identities don't matter as much. Amen. I'm not concerned much about being a southern, white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant male. 
But it's like, great, wonderful, okay, great, so good. That's, that, that defines what I look like. But who I am is who I am in Christ. Who, that, and that is the strength. And, and here's, here's the challenge, guys. We've got to go there because we, we have to say, here's our identity. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He actually found out from the scriptures who he was. And as he found out from the scriptures who he was, he, he, he wasn't, remember, Jesus didn't have a halo. He wasn't born. He was, a, he was a child, but he began to find out who he was. And as you find out who you are spiritually from the scriptures, that we are chosen in him, that we are blessed in him, that we are his children, that he lives in us by his spirit. We begin to find out who our spiritual identity is. It can solid, it can make you stable because there's so many other voices trying to tell you who you are. And a lot of them are negative. There's a lot of negative things going out. And though this is important, parents, I'm convinced we have got to help our children find out what God says about them before we allow the world to tell them who they are. And, and I, I'm not on a high horse here, but there's so much confusion that's out there. And what happens is now is that people plant seeds, and those seeds can grow. A number of years ago, I read an article that explained that if, if you were a, a pastor, if you were 55 years old, that when you turn 55, that your ministry began to decline. And I remember reading that article. It made me mad. It made me mad because, one, I was over 55. <laughs> but, two, I was like, where's the scripture for that? Where's the, where's the scripture for that? And the guy who was writing it is a guy who's a headhunter and places pastors in churches. That's his living. It's the closest I ever came to writing a review. Because here, here's what made me so mad. Because I know there are pastors out there who are 56 and 57 and they're struggling and they read something like this and they think, oh, that's why I'm in decline. And they plant some bad seed. Listen, I, I, knew, I knew that that wasn't scriptural. I knew it didn't per pertain to me. I ignored it and move on. But what about the people who can't? There's so much out there today, and this is what I'm saying. We need to find out who we are in Christ. We need to help our children find out who they are in Christ and what God's intention for them is. So we're not making decisions for them as children that will dramatically impact them as adults. Now, let me just say just a minute, and I, I realize that the emails are going to come in, but I'm going I'm to say it anyway. It's Wednesday night, and you can handle it. This allowing children to change their genders at a young age is wrong. Amen. The doctors can't agree on it, but there's a, a, a growing body of doctors who are saying this is detrimental for children. And here's, and here's one of the problems I have with it. Don't make a decision for a child that's going to impact their adult. If, if they're an adult and want to make that decision, that's on them. A lady wrote a letter to the Wall Street Journal. She said, when I was a little boy, a little girl, she said, I refused to wear dresses. I refused to, to play with dolls. I played with the boy, boys and made everyone call me Steve. She said, if I'd been born today, they would have put me through a process. 
they would have started a, a process. She said, in the fourth grade, a little boy wanted me to be his girlfriend. She said, and I actually like being his girlfriend. She said, and my husband of 50 years is glad I did not become a boy. Amen. But what she's saying was, she was a tomboy. Anybody know any of those? <laughs> we used to call them tomboys. Some of those tomboys grew up to be stunning. You're like, whoa, what happened to you? And they're like, not a tomboy anymore. And you're like, yay. But, 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 the, but the thing is, it's a battle for identity. It's a fight for identity. Well, I identify with my race. I identify with being Southern. I identify, there's a lot of things you can identify with. The most important thing we can identify with is who we are in Christ because that's the most eternal one. And that's the one that's going to last. Does that make sense? Listen, and I, for people who have gone through that process or are going through that, we're not against you. We just don't want to see you make a decision as a young age that you could possibly regret dramatically as an adult. They've done studies that show that a lot of adults, their brains, especially with men, their brains don't even mature to their how old. Anybody know? 25. And that's debatable. That last one is Alan's opinion, but that's, that's, that's debatable. So believe, here's the thing. You don't have to prove who you are in Christ. You just have to believe it. Believe that you are who the scriptures say you are. You are not who culture. You're not your past. You're not what you feel. You're not what your family says. You're not what the internet says you are. You are, you're not what random thoughts come to your mind and are. The challenge, I'm on it today, I might as well, I'm, I'm in it, I might as well just dig in. Here, here's the challenge. There's so, many, there's so many things out there that if someone has a problem, all they have to do is Google it and someone says, well, you may be this way. I just, I just recently read, and this is, this is, again, this is not Alan's opinion, this is a... Uh, Alan has opinions. <laughs> the United States Preventive Services Task Force. Didn't realize they had one. All, they're suggesting that all adults under 65 years of age should be screened for anxiety disorders. All adults screened. And that all, all adults, regardless of age, should be checked for depression. Now you say, well, Alan, isn't that a good idea? For a small percentage of people, yes. But for a vast amount of people, when, the, when they come back and go, um, sir, we've screened you, you have an anxiety disorder. I do? Yeah, you do. A lot of people don't have the understanding and the maturity to even resist that. Does that make sense? And so now they buy it. I don't want this being screened. Uh, sir, we're showing that you're clinically depressed. If they told me I was clinically depressed, I would smile at them. I'd say, hey, thank you, appreciate that. I would walk out, toss that thing in the nearest trash can and go, thank you, Lord, I am not depressed. I've been depressed. I know what it is to be depressed. You have set me free from depression, and that's how I intend to stay. But even if, but listen, even if, 
even if you had an anxiety disorder, just getting a piece of paper that said you're screened this way doesn't mean you have to accept it. You can say no, 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 absolutely not. I love what Dwayne Reiner said the other day. He said he deals with OCD, but he stopped buying it. He stopped saying it's mine. Someone has a bad day. They go on Google and say, well, you might be bipolar. They're like, well, that's it. I'm bipolar. And the problem is you accept it, you buy it, then you don't resist it. When the enemy came at, 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 at Jesus and said, if you're the son of God, Jesus just ignored him on that. He said, but turn these stones into bread. And that's the next thing he did. And that's, that's the key. He built his foundation on God's word. Jesus did not look at, at the enemy and go, I'm the son of God, devil. What are you talking about? Or he didn't say, you know, I'm sinless. I've lived a sinless life. You know what he said to the enemy? It is Three times the enemy came at him. Three different temptations. And three times Jesus answered him with, it is written. You say, well, what's the significance of that? Because Jesus had his entire foundation built on God's word. His foundation was built on God's word. If we're going to be strong in the Lord, we, we don't just need to know who our identity is, but we need to base our identity on who we are in Christ. Now, I just mentioned the, the thing about the... Uh, if someone came and said, you know, you have an anxiety disorder. And, I know, and listen, that happened. I, I realize people have anxiety disorders. I realize if people are on medications. You say, are we against that? Of course we're not against it. We're for anything that helps you. But here's what we know will help you. Is if you don't buy into it and own it like it's yours, if you have some hope that you can get out of it. Amen. That it's not going to be your destiny. And just because you're dealing with it doesn't mean you have to deal with it completely in the future. And you'll hear people say, well, you know, our whole family is bipolar, so I guess I'm bipolar too. Whole family had anxiety disorder, whole family's depressed, and that does happen. But the thing about it is, is you don't have to let it happen to you. You can resist that. You say, on the basis of what? On the basis of what Jesus said in John 14, 27, where he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So I can learn, no, I can do that. The, the Bible said in, in Romans 8, 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So I can begin to think in line with God's word. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I wanted to hit that point. And you've listened well. We almost have time to close it up. Make your foundations God's word. Here's where I wanted to go. Now I'll, I'll introduce this tonight, and we'll jump into it. Man, I had so much. It's y'all's fault. Y'all just make me... <laughs> Oh, strength is, is directly related to renewing your mind. Romans 12, 1 and 12, 1 and 2. I beseech, that means I am, I'm really asking you guys, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Here's the next one. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed. Strength is, is, is directly related to renewing your mind, or here's another word, your whole mindset. How you begin to think about things. Conformity to the world is not a place of strength. 
Conformity is more than outward. Um, some, some people in denominations years ago, they got a hold of this verse. Don't be conformed to this world. But what they focused on was, was everything outward. I'm not going to dress like the world. I'm not going to look like the world. We don't, we don't go where the world goes. And, and listen, I'm all, for, I'm all for modest dress, but I do realize that's not the key here. That's not, we've never had a dress code at the ark. We never said you've got to come a certain way. But a lot of times people thought, I'm just, you know, conformity. I've got to dress. I mean, th there was a whole group that got to, women couldn't wear makeup, couldn't wear jewelry, couldn't, you know, cut their hair. That's saying why. They said, because we don't want to conform to the world. Well, that's it. If that's what you want to do and you're, you're happy with that, great. But I'm saying there's something stronger than not conforming outside, and that's not conforming inside. And, and the world, what the world will do is they will pressure you and, and not conform to you. The world is a lot of function of what we yield to. Here's an example. You read something in the news or you, or you hear something on the news and it's about, it's about the government and you just get mad. Oh, you're mad. You're angry. You're mad. You're going to write. You're going to get on Facebook. You're going to blast people who agree with that. You're just angry. You're mad. You're a believer, but you're mad. You're, you're being conformed. You're being conformed. Because your anger isn't solving the problem, and it's not helping you. Have you ever just seen someone say, yeah, man, me and my friend, we read something about our government, we got so mad, changed everything. Whole government changed because I got angry. Washington turned completely around because I was mad. <laughs> That's a big new. No. Does it work that way? Have we spent a lot of time angry and upset and at stuff we cannot control? And what are we doing? Being conformed. Just that's the way the world responds. We're talking about a world system that doesn't know God. So, well, Alan, I read something. It's disturbing. I read things that are disturbing too. And I don't read stuff and go, oh, oh praise God. Our tax dollars at work. I don't, get, <laughs> I don't get excited about it, but there's a difference. I don't let that ruin my day. I don't let that separate me from other people. I don't let that stop me. I don't get angry. I don't gripe at people. I don't give a bad witness because as a believer, we're supposed to let our light shine. And if we're going to let our light shine, we can't be nasty and angry at everybody. Amen. Won't work. <laughs> that was tepid applause, but I got it. I understand. <laughs> but that's what the world does. Fear? How about fear? You read something, you, you get afraid. And, and yet the Bible says, don't be afraid. So what, what's beginning to happen is, as we begin to grow, as we get stronger, then we don't yield to what everyone else yields to. We're not going to be conformed to them. I, I introduced it, and it's time to go. Can you come back next week? See you then. Bow your heads just for a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your word to us. Thank you for how you help us and you love us and you have been merciful to us and we appreciate that. Father, we want to be in a place of strength so not only are you honored and glorified but we can help other people. So we thank you for showing us how to do that. 
heads are bowed and eyes are closed this evening if you came or you're watching online and you say, Alan, I don't even have a relationship with the Lord. I know it and he knows it. But I want to. I want to have a relationship where I want to, I want to get back to where I was. I'm away from God. And I want to get back to where I was. We're going to say a very simple but powerful prayer. I can ask you to stand up or come to the front. If that's you that I'm talking to, your heads are bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. If that's you that I'm talking to, you slip your hand up and just say, would you pray for me? Can you get me in there? Thank you. Yeah, thanks. 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 Thank you. Yeah, got you. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, way in the back. See you. Wonderful. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand and, and you want to do this, prayer is still available to you. Pray it with us. We're all going to pray it with you out loud. This is the church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you. Thank you that tonight people made decisions that will impact their eternity. Thank you, Father, that people have come back to you. And thank you, Father, that seeds have been planted in hearts, Father, that can grow and develop. And we give you all the praise for that. Father, thank you for the privilege and honor of serving you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.